Why do people become CEOs? How do they really spend their time? And if you're not one already, how might you become a CEO? My name's Matt Crabtree. I'm the founder of a management consulting company called Positive Momentum. And in this series of podcasts, we're going to be asking CEOs from a range of industries tough questions about their past, present, and of course their view on the future. We'll learn who influenced them most, what they defend in their schedule at all costs, and the big changes they see coming up on their horizon. For this episode, I'm delighted to introduce one of my colleagues in Positive Momentum, Julian March, as the guest host. This is Meet the CEO. Our guest this week is Jason Ash, founder and CEO of Young Planet, a circular economy platform where parents exchange unwanted toys or other children's items for free via its own app. Young Planet combines transactional functionality with sharing economy principles. Users list unwanted items on the app or look for items they may want or need. Established two years ago, Young Planet recently completed its second funding round through an Equity for Parents crowdfund campaign, which was oversubscribed within seven hours of launch. After a year of meteoric growth within London and the surrounding counties, this new investment will put Young Planet firmly on the path of nationwide and eventual international expansion with revenue generation through sponsorship, subscription and corporate partnerships. Jason, welcome to Meet the CEO. Uh, thanks for having me. Very excited. It's wonderful to have you here. Fantastic. So, Jason, Young Planet isn't actually your first CEO role. In fact, in between senior international GM roles for both Cadbury and Mondelez, you were CEO of sports nutrition company Pacific Health in New York. I'll start with a question that we ask all our guests. Why did you become a CEO? Um, well, <laughs> it's definitely... Um Definitely a sort of game of two halves in the sense that um, in my 20s, I definitely had an ambition to be a CEO without really understanding what it was. So the sort of the what and the how was what I was uh, focusing on. And that topped out, as you rightly say, quite early, if you like, in my career in 2007. Uh, And I left a business that I was in in Texas and landed in New York and took over as CEO of Pacific Health. Um, now, quite why I had that ambition, I don't know. I suspect, you know, everybody has childhood stories and things that I think fuels where they want to go, either financially or status or whatever it is. Um, that was my first experience of being a CEO. I am one now, uh, mostly because I started the business and I'm the only exec, let alone the chief exec. So uh, we're a startup and bootstrapping. So uh, that's a whole different experience. Um, but and somewhere in between those two experiences, I focused on and thought out and actually concluded as to why um, I wanted to be that as opposed to the what and the how. And they are definitely two very different stories. And so what's the why in the case of Young Planet then? Uh, well, yeah, it's it's a bit of a confluence of events, actually. So my background is very much in marketing and finance. And I've, you know, I started my career at Unilever, uh, been around various SMEs and private equity-backed businesses. Um largely getting <laughs> largely getting the public to eat and drink more sugar fat and salt and uh and I was reasonably good at it on the marketing side and uh I even added alcohol towards the end of that there actually but um I sort of there was an inflection point where I thought well if I can run teams of people and I'm I maintain a very high level of curiosity as to why people do things 
both consumers and people within a business, I should think about uh, feeling better about, you know, what the outcome of my successes are or my efforts are. That's not always successful, clearly, but sort of what impact you have. And I, you know, I'm in my mid forties now. Uh, father of three boys, you, you know, you, there, there's definitely three distinct periods of my life in my 20s, 30s and 40s, where now I'm more thinking far more about what impacts and uh, what effect I have on other people around me for good, as opposed to just for capital. Right. So, so yes, indeed. So we're talking about really uh, being a CEO as a, a very purpose driven organisation, which is really focused on having a positive impact not only on the planet, but also on uh, your fellow human beings. Yeah, which sounds really grandiose. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, in a small way, yes, that is happening, and hopefully in a bigger way over time. I mean, that's the plan, clearly. Um, but it just gets, it's it's not, um, and I've not taken, you know, I've not I've not been on a huge personal journey within this. It's been an evolution rather than a revolution. But there are just certain things that become obvious over time that, you know, if you can bring some influence to bear on a more positive trajectory for those around you and those you influence, it, it, it you know, it's definitely a good thing. So that the, that's the why for me. And then you develop skills and experiences over time, the what and the how, if you like, that mean you can get things done. And um, that's why I've ended up doing what I'm doing. Yep. Let's spend a little bit of time looking at the how then. Uh, you say that you're the, the, the only full-time exec uh, at Young Planet, although, of course, you answer to shareholders and presumably a, a, a board as well. Um, in terms of that how, are there any moments in your day that you keep sacrosanct to yourself? Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, in terms of, we have, there you know, there are about nine, ten people full-time in the business now, so... I sort of caveat that slightly in case my COO or fellow employees <laughs> are listening to this thinking that I'm claiming it's all me. It certainly isn't all me at all today, but we did start it that way. Um, in terms of what do we keep sacrosanct, I mean, I'd love to be able to say with a straight face that it's exercise. Um, and certainly on reflection and looking back, you know, it's some degree of moving. And I think this is particularly apposite over the last 12 to 18 months where everybody's locked in their equivalent of an office in front of a screen. But the less I move, the less the less effective, the less um, you know optimistic almost I become about what what I'm doing, and so for me that manifests in the usual midlife crisis stuff of every two three years signing up for something ridiculous and training very hard and and uh, relying on the patience of my family and friends to let me do it, um, but in between just keeping moving. So and for me, almost invariably that means getting up early. Um, because I, I have this sort of tremendous guilt that manifests, I think, far after the event. If if I take time away from my ch- young children uh, or family, particularly in the mornings, to be to go and do exercise, and I know it's not selfish, but getting up an hour or two early, you can be fundamentally selfish and do what you want. And whether that's reading the paper or going for a walk or going for a run, it doesn't really matter. So I'd, I'd like to say that's locked in it's not locked in um more often than not it's there and definitely the more often it's there the more effective i am uh, both at home and at work briefly just explain to me what the the, the latest uh, of these outlandish physical challenges uh, is that you're preparing yourself for <laughs> at the moment jason uh well there's i've sort of I've, i'm throttling it back a little bit to to something more akin to my age so there's a classic push bike race in italy 
uh, which is not really a race, it's a tour, um, where you, it's called La Roica, uh, so through the Tuscan hills, I think it's about 180 kilometres uh, in a day, and you do it on sort of very old bikes. So by that I mean, you know, um, Cambio Corsa gears, there's all bikes from the 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, these are push bikes, and it's a lot of gravel, and I think it's just an excuse to indulge in very good local food and wine, but it's um, but along the way you do pedal a bit as well. But the, yeah, the bike is there mostly because I think as you get older, your knees start to go. So I've done lots of running things in the past, you know, the usual sort of Ironman crises and all that sort of stuff. Um, but bikes are the thing at the minute, just because they can take my weight. <laughs> I, I'm with you on the bikes thing. I'm not with you on the the usual Ironman things. I don't think they're usual at all. But uh, <laughs> anyway, from, uh, from, from, from challenges outside work to challenges inside uh, work, uh, can you talk to us at all about any challenging encounters that you've experienced in your time as CEO? Or what's, what's been the most challenging time for you as CEO and, and what have you learned from it? Yeah, again, I think this is probably, there's a difference in the corporate world versus the startup world. So there's probably two two elements there. I mean, the corporate world, by far and away, the biggest challenge was inheriting a business that just fundamentally didn't work um, and was serially raising money on public markets. Um, and it all looks good on paper until you kind of dig under the hood. And I think the implications for that were very personal in the sense that all, you know, not only to me, because I had to make decisions, but to other people who, you know, sadly at the time weren't able to continue working for the business. So when a business like that comes under pressure and you have to make decisions and cost reductions are key, you know, that that's hard. Um, and it's a challenge mentally. It was, you know, I was 33 years old when I landed there and um, there were people far older than me, more, you know, more senior than me, who you didn't continue in the business. And... Um, I mean, I think the challenge within that is you sort of read it in all the books, but until you kind of walk the walk, it's very lonely being a CEO because even, you know, even as a functional head, the first time you actually, one of my advisory board actually with Young Planet, I worked for 15, 15, 20 years ago. And when, and I took my first director role at Cadbury under his sort of sponsorship, if you like, and his sort of two cents worth was, you know, when you get there, it's going to be the loneliest thing you ever do because you're, you go up through a function where everybody understands what you're doing and kind of everybody's, it's a bit competitive, but everybody understands what it is you do. And then you become a functional head and you're just competing for resources with other functional heads. And the guy in finance doesn't like the marketing guy and the guy in sales doesn't like whomever. It's not a like thing, but they are, you're competing for resource. It goes up another level completely when you're the CEO. You are, you are literally on your own. And, um, and being disciplined about maintaining from an employee base and a cultural base perspective, um, the sort of unflappability calmness when you may well be not entirely sure what's going on. Um, and I think that links to some of the other things we'll discuss, but you know, there, there is, it's definitely a challenge and you have to, you have to operate within yourself and you have to be comfortable with that as well as having your radar up all the time. Yeah, well, we, yes, we, you, you've mentioned it, uh, and nearly to a to, to a T, every single other guest we've had on Meet the CEO has mentioned that uh, it's possibly the loneliest uh, role in, in an organisation. Uh, so, who do you turn to at those times, and who would you uh, say has influenced you most in your CEO career? 
I mean, genuinely, there are too many people to list, and I rely a great deal on advice, informal advice and formal advice, actually. Um, I kind of, there are certain things that I I feel a, a level of confidence that I can, you know, bring to bear. But there are many things where I'm very fortunate at Young Planet to have an, uh, a truly exceptional advisory board with, you know, a number of the great and the good on it that are very generous with their time. Um, so it'd be difficult to single someone out, but I, I do, I really enjoy, um, and have benefited enormously from highly specialized experienced people that, um, typically actually in my experience have very, quite low ego drives, uh, in the sense that it's not about status or them over and above. It's, they're either incentivized the same way. In you know, in, in my case, investors, for example, who were sort of handpicked right at the start, um, or they want the same outcome um, and output, and therefore their advice is is channeled and incentivized the same way as you know, in the same direction as yours. It doesn't mean you take it, but it's a perspective because it's an external perspective um, that should be valued. And you know, we sort of joke about feedback being a uh, feedback rather being a gift rather like a sort of Christmas jumper with a big flashing Rudolph on it. You can. You can put it in the cupboard and not wear it, but you should always be grateful someone gives it to you. Um, so we, and I, I tend to ask for a lot of opinions and um, I have my own opinion as well, so it's not just an assimilation of those views, uh, but I've been very lucky. I mean, I, one other thing, actually linking back to the prior question, I think one of the other things that I, again, I'd like to say is every day, but it's one of the things I find quite cathartic is keeping a journal, which I know sounds very archaic, but actually writing things down it brings you back to a broader narrative, um, particularly when you're running a business and particularly when you're running a small business. Um, you know, the bigger picture is anything that anchors you in the bigger picture, either from third party experience or your own capturing it is, is, a, is a positive thing for me. Fantastic. Well, we've, we've uh, jumped from uh, having feedback and using feedback and enjoying it and wearing it like a, a Christmas jumper rather than putting it away, uh, to, to keeping a journal to just keep that uh, perspective on the, the broader narrative and make sure you stay anchored um, within that broader narrative. Uh, amazing advice just right there, Jason. Um, let's move on to your team. And uh, I wanted to ask you, what do you think is the secret um, to you for, for an, an effective uh, leadership team? Well, I mean, at Young Planet, we're quite a young team, uh, both, um, and I'm not speaking about myself, clearly, but there are there are young folks in that leadership team, but we are quite newly formed. Um, and one of the things that I think we've really valued, particularly over the last 18 months, um, you know, the last 18 months, we've raised two rounds of financing, and we're a, an app that, in the first instances, relies on people going, people meeting other people socially. So when the government dictates... Um, you know, stay at home, it's quite hard. Um, so we've, you know, the, the model has come under stress and thanks we've gotten through that. But one of the things we've valued within that, because we're all in different places as well, we have a number of people in Singapore, a number of people in uh, Zagreb and uh, the rest of the folks are in London. Um, so we're reliant on video. Um, but we're we're very strong on sort of, I would call amicable disagreement. It, it's okay uh, there's no argument as to who makes decisions or what it might, whatever that might be. It's not, it's not a precious thing. It's not a status thing. But it's, it's. We really encourage people to disagree if they disagree, and then the sharing of the path to that position. And more often than not, when you've got you know, good people in a room, 
um, their experience uh, if their experience has led to that being a different position it's almost invariably value added um, to whomever's making the decision at the time so we we do encourage disagreement um, and but the other thing I think we do is we you know we have we have an ops review meeting every couple of weeks we have a demand review meeting every couple of weeks we have an all hands meeting once a month we are pretty good and not in a kind of dog and pony show sort of way but we're pretty good at just reviewing simple basic kind of mission stuff uh, on a regular basis so people feel anchored to that and um particularly in a, in a world where you're not in an office sat next to each other um i think that's quite valuable as well so it's a mix of probably transparency um, confidence and disagreeing but also communication as ever brilliantly summed up uh, so i i don't have to which is uh, fantastic jason uh let's look ahead for a second what do you think are the biggest challenges ahead uh, and what does the future look like both for you and for young planet well i mean my future is in young planet um and we are we would you know our goal is to continue our growth trajectory which you know we 11 fold uh, increased our usage base last year despite lockdowns uh, we'd look to do a similar thing this year and then the year after we'll we'll look for the first international footprint. So managing that growth and managing the resource in um, you know in a capacity constrained environment is always hard. Um, but you know the net net is there is no reason why we couldn't as a platform or somebody like us, and I think this is probably some of the anxiety because there's an element of a foot race going on, but there's no reason why we couldn't have the breadth and depth of eBay, for example. Um, there is no reason why the world will continue to change and evolve culturally the way it is around um, around the status and self-worth elements of buying things and having new things made versus using what already exists and is perfectly usable. So uh, managing the, the business answer is managing growth and um, in a fast-moving kind of digital environment. Uh, for a history grad, that's quite hard to uh, to stay on top of. So I'm, I'm lucky that I've got some very good tech people with me. Fantastic to hear. Yes, indeed, the the, the circular economy is only going to proliferate, uh, and and I think the pandemic has definitely seen uh, some changes. I think in 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 all of us regarding our own outlooks and and values and how we regard. Uh, you know, possession of things and, and connect that with status. It's very interesting and it sounds like you're well-placed to capitalise on that. So many of our listeners on Meet the CEO are not even CEOs and perhaps aspiring CEOs. Let's have three pieces of advice for those listeners uh, who might be thinking about wanting to become a CEO. Um, it's an interesting question, actually, because I, um, I think I sort of t- t- I spoke a little bit about this earlier on, but there's an element of uh, the projected position is kind of calmness, right, and steadiness, and all the rest of it. But it is there's a lot of work that goes on clearly. Uh, but it, a confidence in I think when you realise it's okay to not know the answer to everything, uh, it frees you up to manage people far more effectively. Um, and actually, if you've got the confidence to sit there and go, well, I, I know this, but I actually don't know this, and we need to know this, and you need to help with it, um, or not need, but you, you sort of know where I'm going with that. It, it's it, you don't need to know everything. You don't need 
to have, you don't need to make every decision. And the key is about just getting the right resource in the right places at the right time and then enabling them to make those decisions. And yes, you have to sort of, to use the Russian proverb actually, which is, I didn't realise it was, a Re- I always use it as a Reagan quote, but I didn't realise it was Russian, the sort of trust but verify uh, approach to managing senior people and driven people is is always the right thing. Um, I think uh, I, there is an element of focusing on outcome um, and not necessarily being too encumbered around inputs. So I, I wrote a piece actually probably seven, eight years ago now for a publication around the difference between agency life and kind of operating and manufacturing life. And the idea that, you know, when you're the, when you're a CEO particularly, but when you're a senior manager or a functional head certainly, it, it it's not necessary about what the people above you or around you think of you. It's what gets done, and so being hugely focused on output and outcome, and making sure that's aligned with the business goals or the status business, not your own version of the business goals or your functional goals. It's with the business's goals and tying those up through communication is pretty key. Well, I think there you you tie your three pieces of advice together beautifully, really, isn't it? It's this comfort with with not knowing all the answers, but at least knowing how to get there, Uh, trusting other people, but but verifying, to use that uh, Russian and Reaganist uh, proverb, uh, and uh, and focusing on uh, outcomes rather than being encumbered on inputs. Some fantastic advice there for budding CEOs uh, listening to you now, uh, Jason, which I'm sure they'll be very grateful. So, uh, listen, it's been fantastic fantastic to talk to you it's amazing to hear about the meteoric growth of young planet and um, and how it really is leading the way within the, the this burgeoning circular economy as we edge towards a more uh, sustainable future so uh, on behalf of uh, all of us at positive momentum we wish you every success with uh, young planet it's been fantastic to talk to you and thank you so much for joining us thank you very much Well, that's another great conversation in the can for Meet the CEO. I've said before that CEOs can come in all shapes and sizes, so it's great to talk to Jason, who's been both a CEO of a listed company before and now one of a startup with two big raises behind it. Young Planet is operating at the heart of the new circular economy, which I think speaks to how Jason's motivations for being a CEO have evolved still focused on impact, but this time on an impact which transcends the business and affects our society as a whole with our changing attitude to ownership and reuse of the things in our everyday lives. What has persisted across his CEO roles is his curiosity about why people behave the way they do. For me, and I hope for you too, there were some great insights to take away from our conversation. I loved how he described feedback as a Christmas jumper, which you can either choose to wear or stash away in a cupboard, but either way, something for which you just have to be grateful and value. The other thing he and his team value is amicable disagreement. And it's by that process of coming together around a problem and finding the energy in what I call the voltage or potential difference, as physicists call it, to move forward. Finally, his three pieces of advice for all CEOs present and future. Being comfortable with not knowing all the answers yourself, trusting those around you to help you find them, and focusing on the outcomes without being encumbered by the inputs, which is incidentally where his journal keeping comes in, in order to stay focused on the broader narrative of his mission. 
I hope you enjoyed the conversation with Jason as much as I did. Don't forget to subscribe to Meet the CEO to hear all our conversations. And we'd be honoured if you shared our podcast with your network. That's all for now. I wish you well, whatever your endeavours. Until the next edition of Meet the CEO.